Take your Bibles and let's turn to John chapter 13. There's a good one today, right? And that's what Steve Harvey is famous for saying. This is, I got a good one for you today. This is a good one for you today from the Lord. Now, as we sing, uh, we sing, Lord, give us what? Clean hands and a pure heart. If you read the Psalms, it says, that's the person who may ascend to the hill of God. If you want to go into the presence of God, the Bible is very clear we must enter into his presence. How? There's several different ways we have to do it. The Bible tells us to, we've read this before, go boldly before the throne of God. But you can't access the throne of God with sin laden in your life. You can't go there bearing the sins of worry, of stress, of whatever sin it might be, fill in the blank. We have to access the throne of God the way God says to access it through the blood of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus uh, that we go. But confess our sins is how he wants us to enter. So John 13, we're picking up where we left off. Uh, we left a series, a uh, Meet Jesus series. We, we stopped it. In chapter 13, we're picking it back up here in chapter 13 after seven weeks of the summer series of Seven Marks of a Disciple. So we're going to duplicate a little bit what we've heard in Catalyst, but also we've heard before, because I think there's a message in it for us, especially us as Americans today. We can sing songs like we just got through singing and walk out that door and do the wrong thing. Get mad at somebody in traffic, right? Somebody, they said it's going to be a three-minute wait for your lunch, and we get really upset, right? We want it now and first. How many of y'all got fuss, been fussing at the new Chick-fil-A drive-thru? Anybody fussed about it at all before God? Anybody fuss? I heard it in my house, right? I don't like Chick-fil-A, so I don't really go there, so it's not a big issue for me. But uh, They made it more convenient, and it seems like it's less convenient. We, As Americans, we just want more and more and more. First, 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 be in the front. And so when we see today, think about the disciples of Jesus Christ. It's easy for us to look at them and say, whoa, St. Peter, St. John, Jesus is in the, in, the, in the picture here. But these guys were regular men. They were men who were fishermen, they had tax collectors. They had all kind of different various type jobs, just like you and I had today. If Jesus was picking, he would come in the crowd, and he would get the least that we would pick. We would put our strongest and our tallest and our boldest up front, and Jesus would walk right past and select those who he has a plan for their lives. Even the one that he had a plan for, because it was God's plan, uh, Judas. Uh, Judas was handpicked by Jesus, and he betrayed him. So today, when we sit in this room, I want you to think about these men. Yes, we call them St. Peter, St. John, because they were saints when they were saved, but so are you. You ever done this? Have you ever been to our church? If you're a guest with us today, we'd like to understand, when you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you ask him to forgive you of your sins and come into your life, you believe that God raised him from the dead because he died on the cross for your sins. He was buried, and three days later, God raised him from the grave. The Bible says if you believe that, in faith, you're saved. Amen? So once you're saved, you become a saint. If you have a Catholic, Roman Catholic background, you say, well, we pray to the saints, or we have the saints, uh, different type saints. Uh, that's not what the Bible's talking about when it talks about the saints. That's an idol. We just said, Lord, d deliver some idols, right? If you worship anything that's made of stone, brick, gold, anything else, that's an idol. We don't pray to the saints because we are the saints. So try this real quick when you're uh, on the count of three. One, two, three, we're going to do it. You're going to say saint and then your name. I told you I got my favorite one up front here. Uh, saint Bernard is sitting down front, so he's always my favorite to say. Uh, so I like to say Bernard's name. So uh, on the count of three, let's try that. Say the saint and then your name. That's who you are if you're a Christian. Ready? One, two, three. How many of you feel really weird about saying that? Because you know what you've done this week. You know the sins that you've done or said just before you walked in. If you have kids, you were fighting when you come in the door, I know. Get in the car. We've got to hurry up. We've got to go to church and worship Jesus, right? 
and all the kids are like crying and just be quiet when you get into church and so if you're not careful we can turn what's meant to be something wonderful in worship and it doesn't have to be perfect listen there's no perfect people there's no perfect families look to the people to the left and right of you and say i have issues go ahead and the person that didn't say it have the most issues all right but here's what i want you to do we're going to take time to do this god can just put it on my heart here say we turn back to him and say would you pray about my issues all right, now let's do that. So what I want you to do, I want you to look left or right or in front of you, behind you. Look at somebody who looks prettier than you or funnier than you. And I want you to focus on that person and pray for their issues. We're going to do that together as a faith family before we read the word, okay? So go ahead and look at somebody. I'm going to keep my eyes open as I pray, and you can. You can keep your eyes open. It feels weird. This is something we learned a long time ago uh, in the subject class of praying with your eyes open. So. Some of you were taught you can't pray unless you bow your head and have your eyes closed. If you do that in the car, I'm telling you, you're gonna, it's not going to end well, right? So you may pray with your eyes open. So look at that person, whomever it might be. I'm going to try to look around the room. But let's pray for that person. Pray for their issues. Lord, help them in a very special way. So let's pray together. Father God, we do thank you for everyone that's in attendance today. From the youngest to the oldest, Lord, in this room, we all have issues. we got stuff in our life, Lord, that we need help with, we need wisdom with. And we don't know where to turn, what to say, what to do. We don't know if we take that job, if we go to that school. Uh, Lord, if we go to that university, if we do whatever it is, the Lord is in our horizon. I just pray for everyone that's facing those issues in this room. And those who are watching, and we know there's those that are shut in today that are facing issues of health. I pray that you administer them in the only way that you can. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we know that to be true as a brother and sisters in Christ. This is a safe place. It should be a comfortable place. To talk about our issues, but what do we do when we come to church if we're not careful? We do the same thing in church that we do on social media. Y'all put your best pictures forward, right? Anybody ever put a, a picture of yourself getting out of bed in the morning with your hair jacked up and your makeup all off and messed up? Anybody ever post that picture? Anybody? What do you put on the picture? You want what everybody you want everybody to think well of you? What you put on the picture? Now, several of you mentioned my post this week from the beach. I was at the hot, sandy, salty beach with grandkids, and it, we went and found turtles. And you had to post the turtles that you found them to get the prize. So I was getting the prize for the grandkids, so that's why I posted turtles. It wasn't because, y'all, turtles taste good. We used to eat them down in Williston. They called them cooters, too, right? You can't eat sea turtles. Not yet. Not until they get back into population. But, uh, so I didn't do it because I wanted you to see me chasing sea turtles. I, w I did it so my kids, grandkids would get a prize. Uh, you had to post it online. Well, we look at these guys, and they want to put the best face forward. If you were God, or if you were a writer, if you were John in that room, you would say all the nice things that happened in that room. Jesus taught us. We broke bread together. We would say, if it was a social media post, we would put the very best face forward in this passage. But watch what John says under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Let's pick up, if you will, in verse 12. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. Here's the big if. 14. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do these things or do them. 
Now verse 18, transition. I do not speak concerning all of you. I know that whom I have chosen, but that the scripture might be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. And that comes from the psalm, Psalms 41, 9. Then he goes on to say, now I tell you before it comes, or before it comes to pass, he's prophesying here, that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he, or I am the Messiah. Most assuredly I say to you, he who receives, whomever I send, receives me, and whoever receives me, receives him who sent me, who is God the Father. Verse 21, when Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. Now there was leaning on Jesus, bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. John writes that about himself. This is John. They would recline on the floor and lean elbows back towards each other. And the table would be on the floor. So this would be a, a not very much like we do. It's almost like you watch TV if you're on the floor today, except the table was the middle, and they would talk to one another. Verse 24, Simon Peter therefore motioned to him to ask him who of whom he spoke. Then, leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? It's a question we all would want to know, wouldn't it? If we said someone in this room is going to betray Jesus today. We know our hearts. We'd be like, who is it? Because it'd be easy to say, well, I'm pure in heart. It's not me. They didn't do that. It's like they knew their hearts. What's this? I'll show you the scripture. Let's continue. Jesus answered, it is he whom I have, shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now after the piece of bread, Satan entered at him. Then Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he said this to him. For some thought, because Judas had the money box, that Judas had said, uh, Jesus had said to him, buy those things we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. Having received the piece of bread, he then went out immediately, and it was night. Let's pray together. Father God, bless the reading of your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll do something for me, go to your notes. I want to show you this in your notes because we're talking about what's in a name today. And you highlight the names, and there's multiple names that are in this passage of Scripture, or even in your notes. But right here, if you go back to verse 1, we're at the Feast of Passover. And if you've been in the Bible ever, been in Sunday school, we know that Passover is when, back in Exodus chapter 6 and Exodus chapter 12, when Moses went up to Pharaoh and said, let my people go, says the Lord, and then they finally get let go. And they're told to put the blood of the lamb, kill a lamb, put the blood of the lamb over the doorpost, and when the death angel comes through from God, if he sees the blood, what's he going to do? He's going to pass over, hence the name Passover. It, uh, Pesach is the way you would say it. Uh, Pesach is, in the Hebrew is the same name if you ever hear that name. So Passover, the, the death angel would pass over. If the, if the death angel did not see the blood, what would he do? He would come in and the firstborn would die, firstborn of every family. And after this, this is when Pharaoh said, get out, take the people and get out. So this is the Passover that led to a celebration. They had to quickly get out. And also the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The Passover and Unleavened Bread, they overlap. So this is like a, about a week-long festival, seven, six to seven days. It's taking place during this, this season of Scripture we're talking about. Jesus demonstrated the humility of a servant to his disciples. He would later humble himself and die on the cross as the Passover lamb, the Bible tells us. If we look just for a moment, look at Philippians 2, 5 through 11, because it's easy to read the New Testament or the Old Testament and say, well, yeah, that's then, but this is now. Here's what the Lord says. 
And under this expression of the Holy Spirit, Paul writes this, Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. When you're there, say amen. Because verse 4, we talked about in Catalyst. If you missed this morning at Catalyst at 9 o'clock, we invite you every Sunday. We have a, a Catalyst Bible study group where you can listen to Scripture being taught, and you can ask questions and get a little bit deeper in the Scripture. Verse 4, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but what? For the interests of others. Does that sound like uh, anything Jesus would say? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? So that's why at camp when a kid pulls a kid's hair, I just say, he really wants you to pull his hair, right? Because you do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That doesn't fly over well sometimes with the kids. But look at verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, of a slave, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow, every, those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here's a question for you. How many of us in this room will bow our knees and claim that Jesus Christ is Lord? So here's the question. If we know this is true, that it's going to happen, God is going to break you eventually. He's going to break you when, even if you go under the earth or if you're in hell, everyone in hell knows that Jesus Christ is Lord. Would you agree? Everyone in heaven knows that Jesus Christ is Lord. Would you agree? Everyone on earth knows that Jesus Christ is Lord. Well, for the most part, we, we say with some languages that it hadn't, the Bible hadn't got there. But let me tell you, where did the Bible come from? Where did we get the Word of God? This is not an American white man text or a black man text. or This is an Asian text. This comes from the Middle East. So we go back and say, where did the Scripture start? Go all the way back to the Middle East. Let's go there, and you'll see that the Holy Spirit obviously originated from heaven. We know that, but this is a text that's come across the world to the ends of the earth is where the disciples were told to go with the gospel. And now we're told to go back to the ends of the earth. And how many times are we sending missionaries back around the world? To, to share the same gospel. But let me tell you, those of us in this room this morning know that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If you don't agree with that, you're arguing with the Scripture, but the Bible says so. Here's my question for you. This is a simple question. If you've never given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, why would you wait till you're in hell before Jesus Christ humbles you to bow your knee and call Him Lord? Is your fun drinking drugs or whatever it is that you're doing that much fun? Is your life that comfortable that you can't bow your knee here while you're here on earth and hear the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God? Hey, Lord, I, I believe that. I believe what this text says. I want to bow my knee here and now. I want to give my heart and life to Jesus Christ here and now, and I want to serve him here and now. But my friend, listen, some of us who are so hard-headed, we're so pig-headed, as they would say when I was a kid, that we won't, we won't turn. If I do that, then I've got to give up that. And if I do that, I've got to give up that. That's true. When you come to Jesus, it's the hardest thing you'll ever do. Some people lie to you and say, when you come to Jesus, your life's going to be smooth as butter. Anybody ever lie to you about that? All things are going to work out when you come to, come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. No, you're entering to the war of wars when you become a Christian. The Bible says your body, even your very flesh, wars against the Spirit of God. That's what Galatians says. I fight myself against the Holy Spirit of God daily. 
But not only do I fight myself, I fight the world and the world system. Not only do I fight the world and the world system, I fight the devil and his angels. Well, not the devil himself necessarily because he has schemes and he has those schemers who pull out the schemes, right? So when I enter into this relationship with Jesus Christ, there's a blessing promise for it because I'm going to heaven when I die. But listen, in the meantime, while we're here on earth, we're still going to have aches and pains. We're going to have all the things that everyone else has, but we know who has created us and we know who has saved us, those of us that are redeemed. Amen? We know where we're going. So I would much rather bow here and now and say, Lord, Jesus Christ, be my Savior, Lord. I will I'll acknowledge you as the, as the Father. Listen, Father, I want, I, want, I want this to be true in my life. But yet we know that when people listen Sunday after Sunday, sermon after sermon, we complain and we know that we're going to actually have to bail because if I have to do that, I have to give up my sinful lifestyle. Well, look at this also. We go into verse 13. The disciples called Jesus teacher and Lord. Your Bible might say master. It was a word of a, I'm, I'm your servant, you're our master. He walked with them for three years. How many of you all listen? This is almost a, if you will, a, a college degree. Just a little bit more than an associate, just less than a bachelor. That three years they've walked with him. Do you think they've learned a thing or two from Jesus? What have they learned? They've learned how to love others when you're shamed. Uh, they've learned how to actually not be competitive. Remember the disciples walking behind him and saying, Lord, who's, who's the first in the kingdom? I bet I'm better than you are in the kingdom. Even James and John's mom's like, hey, can you, can, when you come into your kingdom, Lord, can my boys have the left and the right side? How many of you mamas would ask that of Jesus, right? Well, you don't love your kids as much as James and John's mama did, right? Wendy, would you ask that of your kids? Yeah, because we're sinful, selfish. We want first. It's not just an American thing, even though it's harder in America because we have so many nice things. But these men are always competing on who's the best. Do you do the same thing on Whiskey Road? Do you try to compete? Who's going to, all those people, you know those people are going to try to, in the left lane is going to try to get over in front of you. By the time they get to Taco Bell, they're going to try to shove over on you and get in Chick-fil-A, right? How many of y'all try to keep them out? Anybody ever try, besides me? Anybody else? I block them. I bumper to bumper all the way up. I'm waiting for a falling too closely ticket because you should have made that decision when you were down past Walgreens, right? Don't make it when you get down here because I'm not letting you in, right? That's just how we are. That's our nature. Y'all laughing because you do the same thing, right? Or you know when the light turns green, you take off so they don't cut you in, in, in traffic or whatever it might be. We're the same way. We want to be first. Don't do me wrong, because if you do me wrong, I'm going to get you back, or I'll do something else back to you. But let's look back at what Jesus tells his disciples. He's modeling humility for these men. Verse 14, Jesus gave his disciples an example of humility when he washed their feet. Could you imagine God of all creation putting on a towel, taking off his outer robe, putting on a towel, and washing the very feet of these disciples? In their culture, this was the first thing that you did when you came into the house. You washed people's feet. Some scholars believe this is actually the house of, what do you think, Judas. This might be Judas' own house. And Judas didn't, Judas was a cheapskate, he was a thief, right, because he kept the money box. The Bible says they used to steal from the money box. He would take what he wanted out of it, even though they didn't have a lot of money. But he was a thief. And you have Matthew, who was a treasurer, a keeper of taxes for Rome. You would always say, Lord, why don't you let the IRS agent uh, keep, the, keep the money, right? Instead of the, the thief. But here we are, we're at this house. And Judas is up to his plans. He's ready to make 30 pieces of silver and start this little coup d'etat that he thinks in his mind he's schemed up. That, hey, this is going to work out for my benefit. And I'm going to make a little money on the side. But watch what the Lord says. Verse 13 says, you call me teacher and Lord. And word order makes a difference in the Bible. Teacher 
Rabbi, those who, who would actually lead you out in spiritual things. And then Lord, Master, those who are in charge of everything. I have nothing because you have everything. You are my Master. But watch what Jesus does in verse 14. He reverses the word order because it's important. Listen to your Bible. Sometimes you'll miss this if you don't read it carefully. Look at verse 14. He says, if then your Lord, or your is not in there in the original, if then Lord and teacher, he reverses the word order. Lord's first, then teacher. Does he have to be your Lord before he's your teacher? Yes. This is what the Great Commission is when we come, as far as it's a personal teacher. We know we're teaching preschoolers back there right now. When we do children's church every second and fourth Sunday, we, do, we teach it there. When we go in, in the nursery on Sunday nights, we teach there. We're constantly teaching teenagers. We're teaching over and over again the things of Christ before and after you become a Christian. But here he says, you call me Lord and teacher. He reversed the order. Lordship is, hey, you're in charge of my life. You're my master. And Jesus was very clear. Go back and look at Matthew chapter 5 and 6. No one can serve two masters. He said, you either love the one and hate the other. There's no way to actually serve God and great riches. So when they called him master, he reversed it. I'm not just your teacher. I'm not just your rabbi. I am your master. I am your Lord. Put me first, right? Because Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what's going to happen? All the things that you have need of, what's going to happen? I'll have. He's going to give them to me because he's God. But can you imagine God of the universe coming, washing these men's feet that should have been done right when they walked to the house, supper's almost over, and no one's washed their feet. Jesus does this to model humility, but to show them actually who he was coming from heaven. Well, I want you to do this. Here's an impact scripture I call that. He mentioned to them, I'm going to tell you, over in verse 19, I'm going to tell you before it happens that someone's going to, one of y'all are going to betray me. I'm going to tell you before it happens. If someone can tell the future, what are they doing? Biblically, they're prophesying, saying this is going to happen, and he speaks very specifically. One of you is going to betray me. And we know right here this season of Passover, and you know what the Bible calls Jesus? Our what? Passover lamb. He actually, no longer do we kill the animal to actually cover our sins. He died that he would take away our sins. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 5. I want you to see this as well. And this is also verses 5 through 11, which is uh, pretty neat. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5-11, through 11, this is what the Bible says. This is Peter who was in that room, by the way. He was in that room watching, knowing that he's like, John, John, ask him, ask him. Because he wanted to know, why did Peter want, to, want John to ask Jesus who it was? Why were all the uh, disciples perplexed, the Bible says? Because they knew their own sinful hearts, and they knew it could have been me. They might be me. He might be talking about me. They never stood up saying, he's not talking to me because I'm pure and righteous and holy and it's just, I'm perfect. Peter goes, ask him, ask him. And John's like, I'm not going to ask him, I'm good with God. That's not what John did. John is the other part of sons of thunder. Y'all remember Jesus called James and John sons of thunder? How many of you would like to have that name, right? It's an awesome name to have, right? I'd like to sound like a tag team wrestling match. Sons of thunder, right? These are some rough guys that God is molding and chipping off all the old crusty stuff, if you will, making them more and more like Jesus. So here he is. Hey, ask him. Now Peter's writing in response, still under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Peter has also betrayed Jesus Christ, right? This is after the cross. He's betrayed him, and now here we are. He's come up, and Peter is now writing as what we would call Saint Peter today, because he's now been, as he 
grows in his faith, as he grows in his walk with the Lord, he's been sanctified, sanctified, sanctified. Here we are. Watch what he says in 1 Peter. And you should read the rest of 1 Peter, but this is verse 5. Chapter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now, he was quoting, if you would, back in Proverbs, right? If you look, see what he was quoting. But who was he talking about? Who was one of the most prideful disciples that Jesus had? Himself. Every time he looked in the mirror, he knew that he, was, he thought he was adequate. He could do it. He's always like, Lord, I will never let you go to the cross. I will never do that. And Jesus said, listen, today you're going to deny me how many times? Three times. Peter stood up, not me. I can't be me. Even though he knew in his heart it could be him. Even later after, Je- after Peter, Jesus has died on the cross, he's resurrected and sent it back to the Father. We find Peter going back and he sees the Jews coming to town. He slides over and doesn't eat. He put his barbecue sandwich down, right? He's eating with the Gentiles. He puts it down because he doesn't actually want to be identified with those non-Jews. He doesn't want to actually upset his brethren, if you will, of a like kind. Paul calls him out. The Bible is very clear. The Bible is very clear that, listen, there are no perfect people ever that have ever lived besides Adam and Eve, and those two even chose to sin against holy God. Now, Jesus is without sin, we know. Verse 6, Therefore, what should we do, church? Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him. Why? Read it. He cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants to tear you down. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world, in the whole world. All Christians are going through this. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect you, establish you, strengthen and settle you, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen? Now go back and look, if you would, in verse uh, chapter 13 of John. This is really exciting stuff. It's, it's powerful, but it also is easy to understand. Even a child can understand this. Because he is great I am, Jesus said, I am he, verse 19. He wanted us to understand, wanted his disciples to understand. Did Jesus know we would be reading this text today? If he's all-knowing, did he know today that we would actually be reading this text, that you would be here as a guest, as a member? You'd be back from camp. He knows, did he know your situation today? Did he know that you would have these words read that they might go into your ears, that you might have a response? The answer is yes. Verse 15, Jesus, back to verse 15, Jesus emphasized the importance of what? Obedience to God. Watch what he says. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. Do as I have done. It's that simple. Watch this. Let's go back to kindergarten, 5K. All right, kids, y'all listen up because y'all might have to teach some of these older people who hadn't been in church, right? Or if you've been in church, sometimes that's the worst thing. You just sit and hear stuff and you just make do what you got. Give me at least five commandments of Jesus. If you first in, you're going to faith. What's one? All right, so here's faith just said do not murder. Did Jesus talk about murder? Yes, here's the funny thing when people today say, well, Jesus never spoke about A, B, C, D, or E, F, G, right? The question is, is Jesus God? Yes. And if God spoke in the Old or New Testament, did Jesus speak? So therefore, all of the Bible is the word of Christ, right? 
All right, so murder. I'll give you that one because he did talk about this. How about something directly from New Testament, commands of Jesus? We're supposed to be followers of his, so we know his commands real easy, right? Forward, go. Make disciples of Christ, right? All right. That, say again. Love one another, okay? Do unto others as you have them do unto you, that okay? Baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Those are things that we should know right off the top of our heads. What does it set us apart from being Christians? Speaking of baptism, I read an article this week. They had seven different passages, and there were seven different explanations for baptism. Baptism is simply this. Have you given your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe that he died on the cross for your sins? Yes or no? If you say no or say nothing, we cannot baptize you. I will not baptize any soul in this church if they don't profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Lemuel, he's, where are you, Lemuel? I know you're here. Didn't I tell you that this morning? If you don't tell me yes, I can't baptize you. I'll just escort you right back out of the water, and family gets upset. I've had that happen before if you freeze up. You say, what if someone's shy? This is the time to publicly stand before the Lord. You can still do this, right? This is a yes. Have you given your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins? The answer's got to be yes or no. And if it's yes, do you want to follow him all the days of your life? We ask that question because we want to ask, do you want to be his disciple? Yes or no? And if the answer is yes, we baptize you, my brother, my sister, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And it's a picture of Jesus' death on the cross, his burial into a tomb. That water represents the tomb. And when you come out of that water, it represents that glorious, everlasting life that we have in the resurrection promise of Jesus Christ. Because he was resurrected to new life, we have new life awaiting us. My life lasts forever now. You say, well, you're going to have a funeral one day. I might here on earth if you don't come soon, Right? But I will never die. I'll transition from this body. The Bible says absent from the body for the believer is present with the Lord. I cannot die. That's why when I share the gospel, it's when I preach like I do. It's not cockiness, it's confidence because Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I have nothing to fear. What could I possibly fear? The Bible says don't fear men who may take your life, right? Fear God who can take your soul. There is no fear when you walk lockstep with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's continue. Well, Jesus emphasized the importance of obedience to God. He also put in here three ifs in the English language it is. Three ifs stick out in the passage. If Jesus is Lord, our master and teacher, what should we do? Obey him. How many times do we find ourselves disobeying the things of God? Anytime you disobey the things of God, you sin. What is something God says don't do? Raise your hand. Pop it in. This is, this is a good morning for us to do this. What, what's something God said don't do? We're going to finish up. What does he say don't do? Don't. Lemuel. Really loud. Don't lie. Don't bear false witness against another. That's right. Somebody else. Don't worry. Don't steal. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. It goes, he goes down the list of saying don't do this. Why does God say don't do this? Because he knows when you do the things he says don't, that's sin, and it's going to cause you tremendous heartache and tremendous pain. We talk about children sometimes when parents say, hey, that's one, hey, that's two, that's three, honey, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Let me tell you the danger of that. If a child's running out in traffic, running in front of a car, you say, stop, and they look back laughing at you, waiting for you to count to five, and what's going to happen? You're going to lose their life. So that's why first time obedience is important. What does the Lord want from us? If a parent expects that, what does the Lord want from us? First time obedience. So if, if 
Jesus Christ is your Lord, your master, your teacher, your savior, obey him. Number two, if there is clarity in what Jesus said, obey him. Do you understand what he said? Do you understand his commands? Do you understand? Because he asked them, he says, do you understand what I've done to you? Do you understand what I'm teaching you right now? He asked that question. Did they fully understand? Well, they didn't fully understand until the cross and the resurrection. Then they go, aha, that's what he was talking about. You and I have it in a form of a library. We have 66-book library we carry around, and we can understand what he was teaching because we can cross-reference Scripture with Scripture and say, that's what he meant. That's what Jesus was talking about. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is our teacher. Verses 18 through 21, Jesus prophesied that one of his chosen ones would become his betrayer. He told them that before it happened so they would believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Messiah. Well, on the ifs, Remember the bracelets? They come back around, they think again. The WWJD bracelets, what would Jesus do? Have you ever stopped to ask yourself when it's a situation you have to make a decision? What do you do? Do I go? Do I stay? Do I, do I buy? Do I not buy? Those are things we must do to be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he does speak in all matters of life. Verses 22 through 25, the disciples knew their own hearts. They looked at each other desiring to know which one of them would betray him. They were all capable of betraying Jesus. Two of them actually betrayed Jesus. Who were the two? Judas and Peter. The only difference between those two men, Judas went out and committed suicide because he couldn't deal with his guilt and his shame. Peter went and wept bitterly, and then Jesus restored him. He says, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. He asked him that three times, and Peter was restored back into, if you will, his heart faith. His soul was made right with God, and Peter would now, obviously we read about Peter as St. Peter, and we kind of lift his name. Does anybody know anybody named Judas? Raise your hand if you know anybody named Judas. Anybody named your dog or chicken Judas? Roosters are sometimes named Judas because they betray you and bite and peck you. Dog might be named Judas. But nobody in their right mind names their child Judas. How many Peters do you know? Anybody know? How many? Yeah. So we go back and look at the different. Your name matters. What's in the name? You look at these names. Passover, unleavened bread, Jesus, Savior of the world, Passover lamb, teacher, Lord, master, you go back and look at all your notes, look at the scripture, and see all the different names. Do those names matter? The answer is yes. When we're talking about it 2,000 years later, we're still talking about Peter as the champion. He's asking the question. John, leaning on Jesus' breast, asking, saying, hey, who is it? Judas betraying Jesus. We can see the whole picture, and we get almost like it's alive. Well, after Jesus dipped the bread in the cup with Judas, Satan invaded Judas' heart and possessed him. This is the only record I think that we have in the Bible of Satan himself, demon if, or devil possessing a person. He actually entered into uh, Judas. After Judas dipped the bread, when Satan entered into, Jesus immediately sent Judas away into the night, and I put to fulfill the will of God. Would you agree? Was it God's plan? Yeah, because it was prophesied this would happen. A very specific one would happen. And even in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, Peter says, listen, we must fill the spot of the one who betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ as it was prophesied that he would do it because Judas went to his own place. Judas loved darkness more than he loved the light. John chapter 1 tells us about that Jesus Christ was the light of the world. He came into the world, the darkness, and his own, even the light, they did not receive the light because men love darkness more than they love the light. Some of you here this morning, some that are watching by YouTube and Facebook and other ways, maybe today, next month, next year, 10 years from now, so many people love the darkness more than they love the light, don't they? Anybody ever been one of those people? I was one of those people. The darkness was fun. 
The darkness was a place you could do, get away with all kind of crazy things and do crazy things and just call it what it was, just a fun time. And then, even though you wake up with a headache the next morning, you feel sick, waste a lot of your money, right? We call that fun as, as crazy people. Well, here's what I want you to understand. Jesus, the light of the world, is coming to the world that men might be saved. And if you would simply trust him as your Lord and Savior, listen, bow your knee and say, Lord, I want Jesus Christ to save me from my sin. The Bible says he will. It's Jesus that saves you. It's not some preacher that talks you into it because if a good salesman or a good preacher can talk you into it, a good Bible study teacher can talk you into it, another good one can talk you out of it. You understand? There must be a conviction from the Holy Spirit that I, I am a sinner. Jesus Christ did set down the cross for sinners, which I am the chief, as Paul says, and I want to give my heart and life to Jesus Christ. I want to be made clean, refreshed, new. I want to be made all over again. And that's what the Bible promises us. Anyone who is in Christ, old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. Isn't that a great word from the Lord? Why would he do that for us? He'd wash their nasty feet and tell them how to be saved. And today he would wash our nasty souls so that we might live with him forever. That's how good of God he is. That's how much he loves us. And I'll be honest with you, I don't understand what I'm preaching to you today. I don't fully comprehend it because I know me. And um, I've told you before, if somebody says something bad about me, ask me because it's worse than they know. Right? It's secondhand. Because I'm a junkyard dog preacher is what I am. That's what God's, he saved me from my sins and he made me new. And listen, he's got me on a, a way to heaven that I might actually on the way, I'm going to grab and snatch as many people as I can telling them about the love of Jesus Christ. Not because of me, because of the power of the Holy Spirit. So today, listen, as, I, as we pray, you think about, do you know that you know that you know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Not just are you baptized, not just are you a church member, because I was a baptized Baptist for a long time before Jesus Christ got a hold of my heart. And save my soul. Are you following him today? Are you his disciple? Have you been washed and made clean? And that's a question only you can answer because if I ask the people around you, they'll tell the truth. You learn the most about people in children's Sunday school, just for the record. Kids will tell everything. Yes, for prayer requests, pray for my mom and my daddy. And they'll go through and start telling everything that happens at home, right? So uh, as a children's minister for 13 years, I knew more stuff going on than I could... Uh, look at the parents straight with a straight way with uh, when I would meet them I'd have to look down at the floor because I knew what happened in their house listen no matter what your issues are no matter what your junk is listen Jesus wants to save your soul and if you saved your soul he wants you to follow through and be obedient through baptism like Lemuel was that he demonstrated for all of us today that Jesus Christ is his Lord and Savior that he was baptized always washed away not the, the water washed it away the blood did that but he's demonstrating what happened on the inside outside and today, the Lord gives us that opportunity in this free country. So let's pray together as we dismiss, and we're going to have a time of invitation. And we invite you to come and give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. If I'm talking with someone, Mike will be here. One of the other men will come. Ladies, if you want to pray together with a lady, we invite you to come and just say, I need prayer, or I want to give my heart and life to Jesus Christ. Whatever decision you need to make, or praying for someone else, you do that today. Let's stand together if we would, and as we pray. Father God, as we stand in your presence, knowing that you're in charge of all things, and Father, we commit our time and our lives to you. We know, Lord, that you have to be first. Lord, you have to be the very priority of our lives. And then and only then, Lord, when you are our priority, Lord, do we actually see your will? Do we see the way that you want us to go? We need you. We love you. We thank you for loving us. And I pray for everyone here again today, Lord, that we might be like those disciples. We're rough on the edges. Uh, we might have a little dirt in our souls of our feet and the soles of our hearts. Father, you washed all that clean when you died on the cross for our sins. We would simply ask you to forgive us. You're a gentleman. You won't come in. You won't force yourself in. 
but you always come in for that person who's willing to ask, but you draw them to yourself. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.